All right, all right. Well, hello, New Life Manitou. It is good to see you. My name's Eddie Hoagland, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you. I serve as one of the pastors here at New Life Church, um, primarily at the North Congregation, where uh, I oversee all our worship department, and that's across all congregations, but we all office there at the North Campus, and um, also have the privilege of preaching at the Young Adults, sometimes at North. So just a guy who's around, but very thankful to be in Manitou Springs here today. Uh, I preached here a couple years ago, so maybe you remember me from that. Also, you might remember uh, my wife from just a few weeks ago. She was here uh, as a service host, so that was Christina Hoagland. That's my wife. We have three kids, Daniela, Raphael, and Fiona. They're 10, 8, and 3. She's the baby of the family, and uh, we, are, we, we moved out here to Colorado in, let's see, that would have been March of 2021, so we've been here over two years, joined the New Life team, and we're so glad to be a part of New Life. We're so glad to be uh, a part of a community like New Life. We just love what it means to be a part of this church and to be in this community, and I'm, uh, I'm so thankful that I got invited to come speak to you as we continue through our series in First John. You guys have been in First John for a few years now, right? That's what, it, that's what I was told. We're just going to stay in First John as long as we can. Uh, we're going to be uh, in chapter four today. You're getting close to the end, almost to the end. And this is honestly, it's one of my favorite things about the scriptures, that no matter how many times you've read the Bible, no matter how many times you come back to the same verses you've read before, when you open your heart to the work of the Spirit, he will show you different things and he will make things jump out in the passage that maybe didn't jump out, the, out at you the last time. And this is because God's word is living and active in that way. It's, it's, it's participating today. It's not just sitting here passively. It is going to be active involvement. But our job is to be ready to listen. And so I want, I want you to posture your heart in the same way I'm posturing my heart. I'm standing under the authority of God's word here today with you. I'm not up here as the authority. This is the authority. God is the authority. What he has said is what we want to listen to and what we want to obey. And so as we get started, I just want to um, first read the passage we're going to be studying here today, and then I want to pray with you so that we can uh, be ready, that our hearts would be ready to hear from God. Here's the word from God for us today. 1 John chapter 4. Um, verses one through six say, the, say this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever's not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is what we're after today, but first let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you because we have gathered in your name. What we have in common today is not much else besides you. We all come from different backgrounds 
and different cities, and now here we are in this moment for such a time as this, gathered to lift high the name of Jesus. And Jesus, you are the one that we have worshiped today. We ask that you would receive all the glory and all the honor. But Lord, now as we turn our attention to the scriptures, we ask that you would ready us to hear from you. God, we want to hear a word from you. We are ready, and so we just ask that you would do the work. And whatever it is in our hearts that does not honor you, that you would chip away at that. And whatever is hidden in the darkness, that you would bring it into the light today, God. And I just, I submit myself to you also in this time, Lord. If there's anything you don't want said, don't let me say it. But if there's anything you do want said, I just pray, Spirit, that you would push me to speak the truth straight out of your word. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, here we are. Today we're talking about testing the spirits. You saw it right there in 1 John chapter 4, testing the spirits. Well, um, you know, I grew up as a missionary kid. I grew up in Mexico City, Mexico, so I'm bilingual and bicultural. My mom's Mexican, my dad's American. And growing up there, I, I started leading worship like as soon as I could play an instrument. It was just like part of growing up in a smaller church environment. Like if you have any sort of skill set, you're on the stage. It's like, congratulations, you're on the worship team. And so I, I started leading worship at a very young age, and I, I specifically remember this one time. We were going to have this night of worship, and uh, normally my younger brother, his name's Stefan, and Stefan is 18 months younger than me, so growing up, most people thought we were twins because we do look a lot alike. Now that we're adults, he looks a little bit more like a version of Eddie if he got lost in the mountains for a few years. Like, that's kind of... If you were to see him, you're like, you kind of look like Eddie, but a little bit different. Um, and that's my brother, Stefan. But growing up, we, we really did look so similar. And, and we would serve together in our church. And uh, we were going to do this night of worship, but we didn't have a guitar for Stefan. And so that's why, thankfully, that year we had budgeted. We're like, okay, I think we can find like about 500 bucks and we can buy a guitar so that we can have this night of worship with two guitars instead of one guitar, which is what we typically did. So it was really exciting for us. So I give Stefan all the money in the cash, and I send him downtown in Mexico City. I'm like, all right, Stefan, here's your instruction. All I need you to do is go, go buy a guitar, and you can buy any guitar you want. I just ask that it be a Fender guitar, okay? Fender is the brand, F-E-N-D-E-R. And I was like, you know, it's a reputable brand. Whatever he gets, it'll be fine. So I give him the money. He goes downtown, and then he shows up back at the church a few hours later, and he, he's got, you know, a guitar in a cardboard box and just, like, the biggest smile on his face. He's just so happy with, with his accomplishment. And so he puts the guitar, you know, in front of me, and we open it up. And I open up this cardboard box, and I see what I would argue is the ugliest guitar I've ever seen in my whole life. And, uh, and I was like, okay, but that's okay, right? Because looks don't really matter. Like, that's not what we're after. I just want it to sound good. Um, and so, but then I, I look at the guitar a bit more and I go to the headstock, you know, where you see the name of the, the brand of the guitar and it says Fander, Fander, F-A-N-D-E-R. And I had asked him to get a Fender and it's like one letter difference, but quite a different quality of a guitar is what it turned out being. And, and that's why he was smiling. Stefan like, Stefan's got this big old smile. He's like, Hey, I got you a Fender guitar and I only spent $50, like it was so much cheaper than all this money you gave me. I didn't even need it. I, this was so great to just buy this for $50. And I'm like, Stefan, there's a reason why it cost $15, right? Like, it's because of the way that it is. Like, it, you could have probably done a better job had you bought the materials yourself. Like, we could, have, we could have done better. So one difference, one letter difference. This is what my point is that it's so close to being the real thing, but it wasn't because it was F-A-N-D-E-R. One letter difference and yet a world of change. 
And that's kind of what we're getting at here in 1 John chapter 4, where in our English translation, it's the difference between spirit with a capital S and spirits with a lowercase s. Just one letter difference in our translation, and yet very, very different things that we're talking about. And this is what John's getting at in 1 John chapter 4. If we were to flip back in chapter 3, verse 7, he said this, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The point being that there are people around us uh, who, we, who we live with, who we're around, that may or may not be leading you in the right direction. They may be using their influence in your life, and they could be pointing you towards righteousness, or they could also be pointing you towards unrighteousness. And so John's saying, hey, for all those people who are out there trying to influence, influence you in the wrong direction, don't let them. Don't let them lead you astray. Those are people with names that, that they would have known who, who they were thinking of. That's in chapter 3. But now in chapter 4, he says, not people, not anyone. He's talking about spirits that would lead you astray. Not, we're not talking about people. Now we're talking about spirits. And so let me go back to verse 1, where he starts off this chapter saying, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The first thing that John wants us to see is that not all spirits are from God. Not all spirits that exist are from God. Just because something exists in the spiritual realm, that doesn't mean it comes from God. Now, honestly, when we, when we talk about this topic of, of spirits, of the spirits of darkness, the many ways that they're described in the scriptures... It's kind of a topic where some of us, maybe in the room, feel like this is weird. Like, why would we talk about this on a Sunday morning? It might feel odd to you. Or, or for some of us, it might feel like, I'm not even sure this is true. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure they really do exist the way you're talking about that. Well, if that's you, I would just say, try to, try to do what I've done this, this week, where I knew I was going to get up here and teach on the spirits and testing the spirits, and then see how your week goes leading up to this moment. It's been a rough week, and I'm used to this as a preacher because you know there's kind of a target on your back when you're going to get up in front of people and say the truth of God's word. That's what happens. That doesn't just happen to me. That happens to you too. Anytime God calls you to take ground for the kingdom of God, guess what? There's going to be opposition. The spirits of darkness do not want anything of God to be happening here on earth. Why? Because once people experience the true love of God, then you, then you know what's real and you know what's fake. And so there is opposition against even what I'm saying here today. And it's not lost on me that right now we're in a city here at New Life Manitou Springs. Like I've been downtown. I've, you know, I've hung out downtown Manitou Springs. It was super fun. I've done a, an escape room and good news, I made it out. So all things worked out well. Um, but even just walking the streets of downtown Manitou, I, I, it, it caught my eyes how many, like, how many signs and, and words that said things about the spiritual realm were just all around me. And you can almost feel it internally. Like if you can discern, you can feel something weighty going on. Well, that's because there are many people who are seeking spirits, but they're not seeking the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we have to, all the more reason why this message from John is so applicable to us today. He's saying they're real, not all spirits are from God, but he's going to give us instruction on how we are to live. So if the enemy can get you to just be oblivious to this topic, then he has an in, an influence in your life that's kind of under the radar. 
I think this is happening to Christians so much. We're like, we don't want to be aware of what's happening in the spiritual realm. We'd rather just say, okay, yes, I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. Good. I'm good with all that. But the Bible itself is the one teaching us that we are supposed to test the spirits. That we're supposed to know, is this from God or is this not from God? And so we have to understand to start, what are we even talking about? When I say a spirit, if we're going to test the spirit, what are we talking about when I say a spirit? Well, to the people that John's writing to, it really they would have understood it as anything that's trying to influence you in a direction, okay? So a spirit is something that motivates you to action. Think about it. It's, it's kind of like that, that nudge that you can feel in, in a direction. You're like, I don't know where that came from. I just feel like I, sh- I should or I want to go in this direction. But first, let's think about it in the positive sense, right? The Holy Spirit. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. He guides you into all truth. He's the one who, who says, this is the way, right? And he, he will teach you the ways of God because he dwells in you. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, the Spirit dwells in us and he doesn't just stay there. He guides you as he's dwelling inside of you. And so in a positive sense, the Holy Spirit guides you. And the same is true of spirits of darkness. In the negative sense, they will want to push you. They'll do anything they can to push you in the wrong direction. This is what those spirits are. They, they motivate you to action. Their goal is that you would do something. So jumping back in, in verse two and three, he says, this is how you, re- you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of of the Antichrist, but listen right here, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Already in the world. For all the talk about the Antichrist that, that people want to have opinions about, it's like John's really pointing out to us that it's, it's less about what is to come and more about opening our eyes to the anti-Jesus work that's already here. The work against Jesus is here Right now, today, in 2023, this is already happening. There is so much trying to push against who Jesus is. Trying to get people to, to believe that it's all a lie, that it, not, he, he didn't really come, or he didn't really claim he was God, or he didn't really resurrect from the grave. All those things exist today. And, and here's the thing, these spirits aren't just coming against the person of Jesus. They're coming against the work of Jesus in your life. These spirits, what they want, they, they do not want God working in your life. So they might not be trying to get you to just deny him flat out. If they can't get you to do that, then what they'll move on to do is they will try to make you ineffective in the kingdom. They will still continue to speak lies to you and try to convince you otherwise so that the saving work of Jesus doesn't take its full effect in our lives. And so Today, I thought I might share just a few of those lies that I've experienced, that I've sensed the Spirit's trying to push me in the wrong direction during the course of my life, and I think they're true for so many of us. Here they are, lies about the saving work of Jesus. I'm just going to share three today. There are many more, of course, but here are the ones that I think uh, really resonate with me. First lie, you have to sin sometimes. This is a lie that the spirits of darkness are trying to push every single one of us towards. You have to sin sometimes. Now, please listen really carefully to what I'm saying. If you get one word wrong, you might completely misinterpret what I'm saying. It's a lie that you have to. It's not a lie that we will sometimes. That's, of course, true. 
And we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more here in a second. But it's a lie that you have to if you are a child of God. See, the way the Bible talks about sin is when we don't believe in Jesus, we are slaves to sin. Meaning sin is our Lord. Sin is our master. We cannot free ourselves from sin without the power of God intervening. So on our own, without God, we are slaves to sin. Sin can look at us and say, I want you to go in this direction, and we are slave to it. We must obey sin. And so this is why Jesus comes and he dies on the cross. And I love how Romans puts it specifically when, and Paul says it in Romans chapter 6, verse 10, he says, the death he died, talking about Jesus, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So that kind of begs the question, wait, what is Paul saying there? Or is he saying that once you're alive to God, once you're alive in Christ, that once you believe in Jesus, then therefore we just don't sin anymore? No, that's not what he's getting at. He's talking about what died when Jesus died on the cross. And here's what died. What died is sin's power over us. Once Jesus dies on the cross, that ability of sin to just say, I am your master, you will obey me, that is broken through the death of Jesus Christ. And so if you believe in him, you no longer belong to sin. We are not you know, slaves to sin. We have now been set free. He who the son sets free is free indeed. You really are free if you believe in Jesus. So there is no sin in your life that can look at you and say, you must follow me. Jesus dies on the cross so that we wouldn't have to sin anymore. So this is an important word for some of us because if you've ever been stuck like I have in that cycle of, I know this is wrong, but I still find myself falling into it and dishonoring God and you feel like, how can I break this cycle? Well, for some of you, what needs to happen is you first need to understand it's a lie that you have to be in that cycle. You don't have to be there. And, and, and yes, many of us will struggle here on earth with those kinds of cycles of sin and confess and repent, but you don't have to be there, and Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to. See, the spirits, they want you to, in some way, just give in to any sin in your life, and they will try to convince you, well, you're not that bad a person, right? Like, you don't do this terrible thing, or you don't do that terrible thing. It's like, okay, that's true, but where are the parts in my heart that I'm dishonoring God? What they want you to do is they just want you to be okay with it. And that's not from God. See, we have to stop thinking about sin as if it's this, this good thing that God's taking away from us. Sin is, is the trash we keep coming back to time and time again. And God's saying, this is so bad for you. It's not for your joy. It's not for your good. The best life available to you today is only found in Jesus Christ. He, he's not taking away some version of life that's just so awesome. And it's like, oh, bummer. God took that away from me. It's like, no, God's saying, the way I have spoken, this way is the way of life. These are words of life. The more we obey them, the more life we have. And this, this is what God offers us. And so the first lie against us is that you have to sin at some times. Those spirits wanting us to believe that we have to accept a level of sin in our lives. That's not God's will for your life. It's not God's will for my life. Second lie about the saving work of Jesus is uh, kind of on the flip side. If you sin at all, then you're not saved. That's another lie that the spirits want to speak to us. They, they, they will find our weaknesses, find the things that we, we don't do correctly, and when we sin, they want to speak shame over us. 
They want to say, because you sinned, well, then you're worthless. You don't belong to God. You can't be a child of God. Look at what you just did. See, that's a lie from the spirits. They are not lining up with what God has said. So uh, if we go to the New Testament and we ask ourselves, well, do Christians sin? Well, the answer is pretty obvious. The answer is yes. And you can find it many places. I'll take you to just a couple. James chapter 3, verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. And this is James talking to Christians, just like you and me. He's saying, we all stumble in many ways. To us, it's like, yeah, I, I, I would know. I have some ways I stumble too. I'm not perfect. There are many ways I don't align with God's will. But then that's why in the book we're studying, you guys remember back in chapter one, verse nine, John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness knowing that for Christians, what we're supposed to do when we sin is we're supposed to enter into the process that John just described. See, when we sin, it's not that we're not a child of God. When we sin, we confess it. When you confess something, that's to say the same as someone else. So when we confess something before God, we're saying, God, I agree with you that what I did was sin. That's the first step. See, if you can't even agree with God that it was wrong, what chance do we have at the transforming work of the gospel if we don't even agree with God? It's, I actually think this might be okay, God, and, and I disagree with your standard. You know, all those things that we do internally, you have to start with, I agree, God. This is not right. You have said it is wrong. I still did it, God. Against you and you alone have I sinned. This is where David gets to in Psalm 51. Against you, God, and you alone have I sinned, you enter into confession. And then what follows confession is called repentance. And repentance is a beautiful work that God does in us where he will, he will change your mind about how you view sin. This is something that only God can do. You cannot do it yourself. You can't just muster enough will to just say, I will change my mind about sin. No, you have to invite the work of God in your life. And when you confess, you say, God, I agree, this is wrong. Then you move on to repentance, which is when you actually start changing the way you view it altogether. And I can give testimony of this in my life. There are so many things that looking back, I, I remember thinking, oh, this is awesome. I want this. I want, to, I want to have this. And now years later, through the work of God in my life, to look back and be like, what was I thinking? Like, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I, the, Jesus has pulled me out of that and into his marvelous light. And like, I don't want to ever go back there. That's called repentance, when you start thinking about it differently. And this is what God does do, is when we sin, he walks us through this beautiful process. And so don't let anyone tell you that confession, repentance are like dark, sad words. Yes, they, they, they sting a bit. They, they bring sorrow for a moment, but they lead to life. This is the way that God works in us. What the, what the spirits of darkness want you to believe is that when you sin, well, then he's trying to just push you as far out as possible with words of shame. And Jesus died so that we wouldn't have condemnation over us. So in the ways we fail, if there's anything you hear in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit saying you don't belong, you cannot be God's, that is not from God. What God is saying is that he's saying, let's agree together on what just happened, okay, first, and then let me come in and let me change your mind about what this is. It's not for your good. It's not for your joy. Let me lead you into joy. So if you sin at all, you aren't saved, also a lie. And here's the last lie I'll... I'll share with you, and that is, it shouldn't be this hard to follow Jesus. It shouldn't be this hard to follow Jesus. This is one of the things that I, I sense spirit kind of shoving us in that direction, especially when we get to things in the Christian life 
that are hard. Things that you study in the Bible and you're like, man, I, I kind of just want to skip over that passage. Like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what, it, what it's directly telling me to do. Well, guess what? Not everything is, is easily accessible in plain sight. Some of the things in this book, you have to really spend some time studying. Okay? It's not just level one, I can read it and fully understand everything. No, there's a process of saying some of these things are pretty hard to see what it is that God is getting at. And I'm not trying to overcomplicate the gospel. The gospel is very simple and yet incredibly profound. But there are passages, that's why I love, even Jesus, when he would preach, um, you'll see in the Bible there are times he'll preach a message and then the commentary would even say, and the people said, this is a hard word. <laughs> right? What are they saying? Oof. I don't know what to do with what that guy just said. And this is what it's like for us too. There are passages where you get to it and you're like, this is a hard word. I, would, I feel in me just a desire to kind of skip over it or just say, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna believe nothing about that passage. And that's something the spirits are trying to push you is like, well, it's, it shouldn't be so hard. If God really wanted you to believe it, it would just, he would just make it simpler. He would say it clearer. And so just skip over it. That's not from God. Here's what God did say. Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, and whoever does not carry their cross, the cross is a symbol of death. It's a symbol of pain. Whoever doesn't carry that symbol and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus never hid that following him comes with a cost. And part of that cost is that there are things in the Bible that you will read and they completely confront what your heart wants. They are against the things that are natural to us inside of our hearts. And the child of God, the disciple of Jesus says, I will pick up my cross and I will die to what's inside of me and I will be alive to the things that Jesus spoke. This is the way of Jesus and at times it's hard. So I'm with you. If you're like, man, sometimes I, it's hard. I'm right there with you. But Jesus never hid the fact that it was gonna be hard at times for us to follow him. We all have to pick up our cross in order to follow him. And these spirits just want us to kind of pick through the passages in the Bible and just be like, just preach the good stuff, right? Just preach the happy stuff, that God is a loving God. And he is. I'm not saying any of that isn't true. God is a gracious God. God is, God is so amazing. I, I find it amazing that when he describes his own throne room, he calls it a throne of grace. Like, do you hear God's heart? Yes, all the things we talk about, it's all true. But you can't understand the good news until you understand what the bad news is. And this is the hard part of the message of God is you need to know the bad news so then you can see the beauty of his character and his kindness and how God is. That's why the scripture says it's his loving kindness that will lead us to repentance. This is what God does. And so we reject these three lies that the spirits of darkness are trying to push on us. Even as Christ followers, you're still gonna feel a push in that direction. But thankfully, we're, that's not the only spirit that exists. Those aren't the only spirits that exist. Here's where John gets to next, is that is that God is the spirit of truth. God is the spirit of truth. Let me go back to verse six where he says this. We are from God and who, whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. I, that verse fascinates me. It's like sometimes Christians think that those who don't believe in God are somehow gonna align with the things that God says. It's like, of course they don't. They won't listen to us because they're not from God. They don't believe yet. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. 
we have to recognize the spirit of truth. John's implying that what we have to do is we need to get to know the Holy Spirit more and more. If you want to be able to test the spirits, part of that is knowing how, who the Holy Spirit is, who the real Holy Spirit is. And as you grow in your understanding of how the Holy Spirit leads you, then it's so much easier to know anything that's not the Holy Spirit, I'm going to reject, right? Uh, you know, before we had the technology that we have today in regards to counterfeit currency, now we can use machines, computers, they can detect so many things. Um, but before we had all this technology, they used to train people to, in order to detect counterfeit currency, counterfeit dollars. And, and you'd think they would just like be experts in knowing the counterfeits that were out in the marketplace. And they would bring them all in and say, hey, here's a counterfeit dollar. Let me show you why it's counterfeit. It's because it has this different and that different. Um, that's what you would think they do. But that's not how they train people. What they actually did is they would bring in a real dollar bill and they would teach them all the incredible detail that is inside a dollar bill and learn this and learn that detail and this detail. Get to know the real dollar bill so well that anything that deviates from this is a counterfeit. And that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit is we need to be people who are getting closer and closer to God and inviting the work of his spirit in our hearts. So much is happening in our lives and it's missing the presence of the spirit, not because God's unwilling, but simply because we're not even asking him to do anything. We're just kind of going about our way, living on our own. And what he's saying is, I'm ready. He straight up says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He, he's ready. He's not holding anything back here. And so our job is to say, Holy Spirit, come. You hear us pray that so often. What are we saying? We're saying, Holy Spirit, come do the things only you can do. Because you're the spirit of truth. We, we, there are so many spirits of falsehoods out, out there. There's false prophets, all these things that are out there. We want to know you because when we know you, it becomes that much easier to reject the lies of the spirits of darkness. This is the invitation of God. And this is how Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth, same exact term, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. One of the main things that the Holy Spirit does is that he empowers your obedience. Our ability to obey the things that God has asked us to do is not found inside of us. And it took me a while to figure this one out because I am by nature a pretty... I would say a driven person. Like, I like goals. I like, like you know, take, take the hill. Like, I like going at it in life. I like doing things. My, I'm very much lean in that direction, right? And maybe you can, maybe you can relate to that. Um, but as someone who has that drive inside of them, I, as, a, as a Christian, I found myself wanting to just use my will in order to obey God. And if I can just try harder, if I could just get it just right, then I would be able to obey God. And it took me a while to figure out that God never says that it's all inside of me, the ability to follow him. Jesus didn't hide, hide that. that. Right there in John chapter 16, what he's getting at is that your obedience is only possible because he sent us the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is our ability to obey God. And maybe you find yourself where I've found myself many times, just completely exhausted as a Christian, where you feel like I'm doing so much, trying so hard, and yet 
I cannot experience the change I, I want to experience in my heart. Well, maybe what's going on is that you think that the way forward is only inside of you. But the Bible presents that the way forward is your yes. Yes, of course we have to say yes. We can't just say no to God and expect things to change. We bring our yes. We bring our yes to God and then ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that partnership is where our lives change. And I'm talking about real change, not just like behavioral change. I'm talking about heart change, where my heart wanted things before and now it wants completely different things today. That is something that only God does. And he does it with our yes and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is the one who empowers you to obey. See, many times we, we look through the scriptures and we see all these high standards that God, had, God has set, and that's true. But this is also true. God sets the high standard and is also our provision to meet that standard. This is how God works. He's, he's, not, a, you know, he's not that God who's like, hey, I want you to jump up this high. And, and if you can't reach that, well, then... Bummer, because there's a lot of bad things that are about to happen to you. So he's not over here like saying, jump this high and then laughing at us as we try and fail. That's not God. This is not how God works. God is the God who says, this is the standard and I know you can't reach it. So I will come down to you and I will pick you up so that you can reach it. But to, to have a relationship with God, the standard is perfection. We have to, we have to be perfect. We have to be righteous. And, and we're like, we can't do that. No one in this room, we can't do that. And God says, I will leave heaven and I will come to earth and I will die on that cross so that Jesus Christ is the provision so that we can know God. And in the same way that Jesus is our provision to be in relationship with God, the Holy Spirit is our provision to obey him. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. It's like, whoa, well, I love you, but I don't always obey your commandments. What do I do with that verse? But what he's saying is, if you love me, if you believe in Jesus and you have a relationship with me, you'll obey my commandments because the Holy Spirit will empower you to obey me. He sets the high standard, really high standards, but then he's our provision for it. So our job as Christians is to invite that work of the Holy Spirit. I'm just so shocked at the amount of times I go through things in my walk with Jesus, and I just never invite the work of the Spirit in my heart and to work in me. It's just like, I go about my own way and I'm guilty so often of that self-reliance. And what God is continuing to teach me is you want to learn about the Holy Spirit? You want to learn about all he has to offer you? Ask for that. Ask and it will be given to you. He's ready. He's willing. But do we invite it? Do we ask him for that? Not all spirits are from God. So we need to reject those lies that are not from him. And God is the spirit of truth. So let's get to know him. And then finally this, from verse 4, I'm going to read it again. Verse 4, he said, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Here's where we'll close. In God, you have overcome the spirits. In God, you already have overcome the spirits. Now, I'll be honest, when I was writing this sermon, I kind of wanted to put that in God, you can overcome the spirits, because that's just, again, that's how I'm built. I'm very like pragmatic. I want it to be like, let's do the things that God's word says, and then we will overcome these spirits. That's what I wanted to write, but I couldn't write that. Why? Because <laughs> John doesn't say that. He says to the Christians, in God, you have overcome them. The spirits of darkness have already been overcome if you are 
in God. You have everything you need to overcome these spirits because you have God. See, there's nothing happening in the spiritual realm where we're wondering, is Jesus going to win or are these spirits going to win? Is the Holy Spirit going to come victorious or are these spirits of darkness going to win? Like what the Bible's saying is it's already done. There is no close second when it comes to God. There's absolutely no one like him. There is no rival against God. He has overcome and because Jesus has overcome, we overcome. So the the purpose of this message is not to scare anyone about like, oh my gosh, there's all these lies, there's these spirits of darkness. That's not the tone of the passage. What John is saying is, here's the good news. You have nothing to be afraid of. If you have God, you have nothing to be afraid of. You don't even have to learn all the lies that are out there. I listed three. You don't think there's a bunch more? Of course there's more. But we don't have to learn all these lies that are out there. We need to learn the real Holy Spirit because he's already overcome them. So there's nothing here that I'm talking about today where it should invoke any sort of fear. Instead, we should walk out of here with our heads held high, knowing that because we are in God, we have overcome. And we walk out into the places of influence that God has given you. You understand that God has given every single one of you a a place of influence that's different than mine. I have places of influence, you have yours. And God is calling each one of you to walk into that place without fear, knowing that even if you face the opposition of these spirits of darkness, you've already overcome them. So walk with that confidence and speak the truth of the gospel of Jesus and show the love of God to those around you, knowing that in God you have overcome the spirits. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. Here in just a moment, we are going to receive of the elements, and we're going to take communion together. But first, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because someone here needs to be reminded that the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. You are not finding out where this battle ends. You are walking in the victory of the battle, and you are a herald of the victory. That's what you are. You must go into your space of influence announcing the victory that has been found already in the work of Jesus Christ when he died on that cross in your place and my place so that we could have life, not just any old life, so we could have life to the fullest, life in abundance. These spirits have nothing of God. Anything they have, it's, it's things that we want to give them. It's not a close call. They're not a match for God. So let's act in that way. Let's test the spirits. If we feel a push in any direction, test it. If you've ever felt a push in your heart towards self-harm, if you've ever felt a push in your heart towards being addicted to some substance or towards some relationship that's not God, those aren't from God. And they want you to go in the wrong direction, but God is saying, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways you guide us into all truth. Thank you that you are present and Holy Spirit, we ask for more of you. We ask that every day, every week, month, year, we would get to experience your power more and more. And that we would be the ones changed. God, what would happen if if all of us here in, in in this room right now, if we were to test the spirits and to know the Holy Spirit as you would guide us into our city here in Manitou, they would bring the good news of Jesus in places where it's needed. 
that into the darkness would shine the light of your love. So Lord, make it clear and clear. What are the ways you want each of us to do that? And help us, God. Help us to test the spirits that we would reject all the things that are not from you and receive all the things that are. May we be a people who know you more and more. So I pray that for my brothers and sisters who are here in the room, God. I pray for any of them who felt that they came in here with a weight. I pray that that would be lifted in the name of Jesus. That they would walk out here knowing that they have overcome the spirits because they are in you. You have already won. So I pray that there would be any there wouldn't be any weightiness on any of my brothers and sisters today, but that they would walk out with confidence knowing that you are good and that you are kind. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, now I want to invite you. We're going to take uh, some time to receive the elements. We'll come forward row by row, keep the elements in your hand. And then after we worship a bit, uh, Daniel's going to come back up and he's going to lead us in the receiving of the elements. You can stand and come forward down the middle aisle and receive the elements.